0: So now we turn to St Irenaeus of Lyon, whose years are from around 130 to around 200. Some say he was martyred in the year 202 during the reign of Aurelius, but at any rate, certainly around 200. Now, according to Metropolitan Callistos Ware, Irenaeus is an important figure because, among other things... He is a bridge figure between East and West. He was a spiritual child of a spiritual child of St. John the Divine, the theologian, the beloved disciple of our Lord. He was a disciple of St. Polycarp of Smyrna, and therefore he is a grandchild to the Apostles. What he has to say is very important, and let's see if we can unpack some things about his connection with the apostles, the context in which we should appreciate Irenaeus of Leon. First, I'd like to read a brief letter that he wrote to a friend of his, a Roman presbyter called Florinus, who had strayed from the true path, Irenaeus is writing to him to exhort him to remember the days of old and to bring him to a sense of repentance and to bring him back to the orthodox way. Now the letter is preserved in Eusebius's Ecclesiastical History, Book 5, Section 20. And this is what Irenaeus says. When I was still a boy, I knew you in Lower Asia, Asia Minor, in Polycarp's house. When you were a man of rank in the royal hall and endeavoring to stand well with him, I remember the events of those days more clearly than those which happened recently. For what we learn as children grows up with the soul and is united to it, so that I can speak even of the place in which the blessed Polycarp sat and disputed, how he came in and went out, the character of his life, the appearance of his body, the discourses which he made to the people, how he reported his relationship with John, and with the others who had seen the Lord, how he remembered their words, and what were the things concerning the Lord, which he had heard from them, the eyewitnesses of the Logos of life, and reported all things in agreement with the Scriptures. I listened eagerly even then to these things through the mercy of God, which was given me, and made notes of them, not on paper, but in my heart. And ever, by the grace of God, do I meditate on them. So, as you can see, Irenaeus grew up with very strong memories of his spiritual father, Polycarp, and was keenly aware of the importance of the connection, the continuity between the Apostles, their disciples, and then the generation that came after them. And significantly, Irenaeus is appealing to those special moments in one's early life where I like to call them real moments. There are moments that we have in our lives which sometimes we notice them, sometimes we don't notice them, but they make an indelible mark on our soul. And we carry those moments with us. They're defining moments, really. They have a profound significance for reasons which are sometimes revealed to us, sometimes not immediately. But these are very important moments. And this is what Irenaeus is talking about here. I remember, he says, the events of those days, more clearly than those which happened recently. For what we learn as children grows up with the soul and is united to it, so that I can speak even of the place in which the blessed polycarp sat. You see what he goes on to mention. It's not just that we remember our childhood days more vividly than we do things that occur later on. But then he begins to say, I can speak even of the place in which the blessed polycarp sat and disputed how he came in and went out. The character of his life, the appearance of his body, the discourses which he made to the people, how he reported his relationship with John and with the others who had seen the Lord, how he remembered their words, and what were the things concerning the Lord which he had heard from them the eyewitnesses of the Logos of life, and reported all things in agreement with the Scriptures. I listened eagerly even then to these things through the mercy of God which was given me, and made notes of them not on paper, but in my heart, and ever by the grace of God do I meditate on them. So, it's a very important testimony here of the significance of that relationship. I said that Irenaeus is a bridge figure between East and West. He studied in Rome. He wrote in Greek, but his words survive mostly in Latin, probably translated by himself into Latin, and his key text that we're going to unpack a little of is Against the Heresies, Book 4, Section 20, which, again, is described by many as his mystical theology. We've already mentioned the key intuition in Irenaeus's general approach And that is continuity. It's the word that best describes Irenaeus' whole approach to divine revelation. In his appreciation of the Bible, we have the continuity between the Old and the New Testaments, between the prophets and Christ and the apostles, and we have continuity in tradition between the apostolic tradition and patristic tradition. Indeed, the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, martyrs, and ascetics are all of them our fathers. They are all to be viewed within the sphere of holy tradition. So let's be clear about this. There's no difference between biblical and patristic theology not in the Orthodox tradition. The tradition of the Bible is the tradition of the Fathers. And the tradition of the Fathers is the tradition of the Bible. It's a continuation. What is the Bible? The Bible, as we said in our brief introduction when looking at the symbols of light and darkness and other themes, we said the Bible is a series of descriptions Of man's encounter with God. Now that continues to this very day. So, in a sense, Scripture has not closed. We have a canon that was identified by St. Athanasius the Great, and we use that as the canon for the New Testament, especially. And these books were identified as safe. But this tradition continues. And why would it stop? Lo, I am with you even unto the end of time. Why would it stop? The Holy Spirit has been inspiring the church and the saints for centuries. So this theme of continuity in St. Irenaeus is very important because as a grandchild to the apostles, he's pointing this very fact out. Continuity between the Old and New Testaments, but then continuity between the Bible and tradition. Tradition is the Holy Spirit. That's how we understand tradition in the Orthodox Church. Not a history, it's not a conservatism, it's not a series of innovations. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, this is very important, and we must be clear about this right from the beginning. Irenaeus is anti-philosophical because of his reaction to Gnosticism, and you can understand that, of course, Having read that brief letter, you can imagine him saying to the gnostics, who told you these things? Where did you get this stuff from? That's orthodox theology, you know. We say that orthodox theology is based on the hypostasis because we have in mind the three divine hypostases, the hypostasis of the Son and Word of God, but we're still thinking conceptually when we say that. Orthodox theology is based on the hypostasis because you learn Orthodox theology, the Orthodox faith, by being with someone who knows the Orthodox faith. Just as you learn how to be a priest by standing next to a good priest, an experienced priest, you learn how to be a a chanter by standing next to a chanter You can't learn it from books. You can't learn it from concepts. That's why orthodox theology is personal. And all the other things, of course, follow naturally from it. But yes, Irenaeus is anti-philosophical. He has no time for the fantastic claims of the Gnostics. But having said that, he wrote one of the greatest refutations of them against the heresies because he wanted to protect, as a bishop, as a true shepherd, in the image of the great shepherd, he wanted to protect his flock. So when we say that Irenaeus is anti-philosophical, we mean he's against speculation, theories, teachings, and so forth that are the product of speculation, that are the product of the human mind, and not of divine revelation. He doesn't have any time for them, because, again, his approach is, who told you this? Where did you get this from? Now, if what you're saying comes from St. John the Divine, or one of the other apostles, and you can show that, Fine. But he doesn't have any time for people who have theory, who base what they say on philosophical or any other kind of speculation, however impressive that speculation may be. He's fundamentally biblical and indeed Pauline. In his theological vision, it's very clear how influenced he is by the Pauline concept of recapitulation. St. Paul, as you know, in Ephesians chapter 1 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The recapitulation of all things in Christ. And there's also a dimension to Irenaeus' theology that we could describe as a strong biblical sense of God as transcendent, influenced by such passages as Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah, in the year that King Isaiah died, That's U-Z-Z-I-A-H, Isaiah, Uzziah. Isaiah saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. And thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. So, passages like this emphasizing the transcendent glory of the Lord, God raised up on his throne of glory, clearly influenced the writings of St. Irenaeus of Leon. And Irenaeus insists that all knowledge of God is received only by grace, only what God chooses to disclose to us. We mentioned natural theology a couple of sessions ago, and what natural theology is about is the belief that since creation is made by God and bears the imprint of God, when we look at creation more closely we will learn about its creator we will come to know who that creator is and that's a compelling argument there's a certain reason behind that of course but because it's not based on the fundamental biblical and patristic tradition of the created and uncreated it fails to appreciate that there is no similarity, in fact, between the created and the uncreated. None whatsoever. So whereas creation, when viewed, shall we say, in an inspired way, can indeed show us that there is a creator, it cannot tell us who that Creator is. That's not the Western theological tradition after Augustine, and that's why you have monks, nuns, people who have devoted themselves, let's say, to a contemplative life, actually devoting much of that life to the study of whatever it may be, botany, paleontology, science, poetry, literature, based on this presupposition that by coming to know the creature, the creation, we will come to know who God is. St. Irenaeus says very simply that all knowledge of God is received only by grace. Only what God chooses to disclose to us by his grace through revelation But he adds, this is within the context of his Christology. So it's by the Logos incarnate and grace that we come to know God. Christ and the incarnation for St. Irenaeus of Leon is pivotal because everything is given in and through the incarnate Christ. All knowledge of God and everything else is given to us through Christ, who is the sole revealer of God, and that means in and through his deified, assumed human flesh, We mentioned the eschatological perspective of Irenaeus, and eschatology is often misunderstood because eschatology is not some historical period. You could describe eschatology, and it is described at times, as the age of the church. But specifically what the saints talk about is how Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, If he is the first and the last, he is eschatology. In him, we see the eschaton. Why? Because he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And in him, in his revelation as the God-man, we see what God's purpose is in his creation of man, because he is divine and human, because he has assumed our human nature, in him we see God's purpose for us. And full union with God will be given only in the age to come. God had shown himself prophetically through the Spirit adoptively through the son, and will also show himself paternally in the kingdom of heaven. So, what I want to talk about, specifically in St. Irenaeus, is his understanding of the vision of God. And here, once again, I'd like to acknowledge my indebtedness to Metropolitan Callistos, where, whose schema I am using, So, first of all, that the vision of God is our life. Secondly, that it embraces our total personhood, body and soul. Thirdly, that it is a gift of grace in Christ. Fourth, that it is an experience of transfiguring light. And finally, that it is inexhaustible we'll talk more about these points as we go on